0: This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. Pastor Skip Value was given a children's message one Easter Sunday morning, had all the children gather around. He asked the question, he said, what were Jesus' first words to his disciples after he was raised from the dead? One little girl, she excitedly raised her hand and then she answered. She said, he said, (laughs) ta-da. If you look up the word ta-da in the dictionary, It means that it's an exclamation that calls attention to an impressive entrance or a dramatic event. And if anything, Easter and the resurrection of Jesus from the dead was definitely an impressive entrance and definitely a dramatic event, but it was more than that. It, It was the last word. And it was the last word on some very key areas of our lives. Now, when I say last word, it's going to have different applications for different people. I've unfortunately grew up very competitive, and when Joy and I were first married, we argued a lot. And I thought that to win an argument, you had to have the last word. And so I would, would be argumentative. Finally, Joy just figured it out, and I'd be talking, she'd just walk out of the room. <laughs> and what, what I found out is, if you have the last word, but there's no one there to hear it, it really doesn't count. <laughs> the last word can also mean a final authority. For example, you might say, well, dad was the last word on where our family would go on vacation. And then the last word also has a meaning that that implies that it's information or facts that this is the best. For example, my my wife's little Italian grandmother, she's like four foot nothing, but that woman could cook. And she was the last word on Italian cooking. Now also a lot like this little girl that came home from school, fourth grade, teacher sent her home, said, You need to find out where do we come from? Where do people come from? Ask your your parents and bring back the answer. So she she asked her mom, she said, mommy, where do we come from? And her mom said, well, she said, God made the heavens and the earth and, and he made the animals and then he made mankind. He made Adam and Eve and this is where we come from. And so she wrote that down and she went to see her father. She said, daddy, where do we come from? And her father closed his laptop, and he said, well, honey, over, over just billions of years, we evolved from the goo to, to monkeys, and that we went from monkeys to people. And she wrote that down. And she went back to her mom. She said, okay, I'm confused. You say we came from God, and dad said we come from monkeys. Who's right? And uh, mother smiled. She, she hugged her. She said, oh, darling, don't be confused at all. We're both right. I told you about my side of the family, and your, yeah. <laughs> Mama had a mic drop on that one, did she? That was the last word on that. But what we find is with Easter, that Easter gives us the last word, the final authority, the end of argument, on some really key areas. We'll look at in the life of, of the disciples. For example, Easter's last word meant that Peter's mistake would not have to define him. You see, Peter was the big, bold, brash disciple. He was always considered in the top three. He was always one that they thought was going to be a leader. In fact, they would have arguments about who was going to lead this this kingdom, and Peter's name always came up. But Peter, in a moment of confusion and a moment of fear, on the night that Jesus was arrested, didn't just just separate himself from Jesus. He denied that he even knew Jesus and he didn't do it once. He did it three times and he did it with emphasis and Jesus actually turned and looked at him before he was crucified and Peter wept. The Bible said he went out and wept bitterly and he not only wept because of his mistake, Peter disqualified himself from being a disciple anymore. And we see this because on the day that Jesus was raised from the dead, when the women went to the tomb, the angels had a message for them, and it actually included Peter. Here's what it was. Don't be alarmed, he said. This is the angel. They're looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him, but go tell his disciples and Peter, he's going ahead of you into Galilee, and there you will see him just as he told you. You know, that, that had to be such music to Peter's ears. Because Peter was already disqualifying himself, thinking he never had a chance to be a disciple again. And the angel had a message. He said, go tell his disciples and tell Peter. In other words, Peter, you're still in this. And the resurrected Jesus gave Peter that the last word for Peter was not his mistakes or his mess-ups. The last word for Peter was forgiveness. And Peter would later talk about the mercy of the Lord, who has given us a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Easter's last word also meant that the disciples would not have to live their lives crippled by fear. Now we hear about the angels and the women at the tomb and and the crucifixion, but a lot of times we don't talk about the disciples and they really went through a difficult time because they'd been identified with Jesus. In fact, they were scared to death. They were sitting there and watching what happened to Jesus. For one, they watched Jesus be arrested. He had never been arrested. No one had ever pinned him down. He was arrested. They heard the crowds turn on him. I mean, just a a few days before the crowds were shouting, Hosanna, now they're shouting, crucify him. And that's got to be a little disrupting. And then to their amazement, Jesus was beaten and then he was crucified, horrible death. And they're thinking to themselves, if the Jews could do that to Jesus, we don't stand a chance. And so what they were doing is, during that time after Jesus died and during that time, even before they saw that he was raised from the dead, they weren't out proclaiming the truth of a Messiah. They were actually hiding, they were scared. But Jesus had another word for them. Their fear didn't have to be the last word. Let's look at what it says here. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, "'Peace be with you.' And after he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed And the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Don't you know they had to make such a difference in their lives when all of a sudden Jesus shows up again? Because the fact that he was alive again meant this was a game changer. It meant he was going to be with them. He had been with them and he had died, but now he's back. Man, that's a wonderful thing. And then he he said, peace be with you. And I think part of it is the fact that they're sitting there behind locked doors and all of a sudden Jesus stands in the middle and says, peace be with you, because it probably scared the daylights out of all of them. And they're looking around and went, oh, and then it's, it's Jesus. But that peace is an interesting word because it doesn't just simply mean, hey, peace, y'all chill. It means every good thing be with you. Health welfare, blessings. And Jesus said it twice. He's saying, look, I'm going to be with you and my peace, my blessings, my strength is going to be with you. And so for the the disciples, the last word was not fear. The last word was Jesus' peace and strength. And he sent them out to do a work that we're still reaping the benefits of today. Easter's last word also means that death is not as final. Jesus had good friends, Lazarus, and Martha and Mary, they were friends of his. And when Lazarus was sick, they sent for Jesus. And by the time he got there, Lazarus had been dead four days. And Jesus, when he got, when he got by the tomb, he didn't just have nice words to say, but of course he was, he was first met by Martha. Martha was a stronger personality. The first thing she says when she sees the Lord was, if you'd have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And Jesus said, he said, well, Martha, he said, your brother is going to rise again. She said, I, I know. She's talking about theologically. I know he's going to rise again last day. And Jesus said something that was extremely powerful. And it's, very, it's a very bold statement. When he said this in John, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And that's a powerful promise. But you know, anybody can just say stuff. And Jesus didn't just say stuff. He said that. And then he raised Lazarus from the dead. Well, that brought some credibility. And then just a few days later, Jesus himself was raised from the dead, which brought a further amount of credibility to the fact that death does not have the last word because God raised Jesus from the dead. Jesus is the last word on death. And Easter's last word means death is not as final. But we look back on a historical Easter and we look back and we go, "Well, that's great and that's, that's wonderful, that's a, That's the last word for those guys. What about my life? Listen, it still applies to us today. When Easter has the last word in your life, it means that you have freedom from your past. I've talked with people, and of course, as a pastor, I hear people talk to me, and they tell me, Alan, I I messed things up. I I, I messed up. I did this. I did that. I didn't do this or didn't do that. And people often look at their past, and they feel such guilt, and they feel such shame. And they felt like, I, I have done things that I, I know that even God would want, not want to have any, anything to do with me. And often their past has put up a barrier between them and God. In fact, their past almost has them in its grip. It reminds me of, of a story of, of a, a brother and sister, Michael and Brittany. Michael was 10, Brittany was 12. They would go out to see their grandparents in the, in the summer. They lived out on a farm, had a beautiful area, and so they could just run just have a great time, but Michael was given a, a slingshot. Grandpa gave him a slingshot, one of those really good ones, and he's out in the backyard just shooting at stuff—bottles and sticks and stuff. And he gets tired of shooting at stationary things. He wants to shoot something real, so he looks down toward the pond, and there is a duck. And it's not only a duck; it's Grandma's pet duck. It's the pet duck that eats out of Grandma's hand and kind of follows her around. So he thinks, ah, I'm, "I'm way too far to hit that duck. I'm going to give it a shot." So he. He, he lets that rock go. It's the shot of a lifetime. Smacks that duck right in the head and the duck falls over. He panics. He runs down there just to see if the duck's okay. It was a dead duck. He's looking around now. He takes the duck. He stuffs it in the wood pile and puts some wood back over it. Sees that no one's looking and he goes back up to the house like nothing ever happened. And when he gets to the steps, his sister, Brittany, comes out and she's smiling. Really, she's not smiling. She's smirking. And she looks at him. She said, I saw what happened with the duck. He's like, oh. Well, after dinner, Grandpa looks over at Michael said, Michael, let's go see if we can, let's take a rod and reel and see if we can pull something out of that pond before it gets too dark. Michael goes, oh, that's great. He said, Brittany, you help Grandma with the, with the dishes. And Brittany piped up. She said, no, no. Michael said he wanted to help grandma with the dishes while I go fishing with grandpa. And Michael said, no. And Brittany looks over him, whispers, remember the duck. <laughs> Michael says, yeah, I want to help grandma with the dishes. And Brittany goes off and, and goes fishing with grandpa. The next morning after breakfast, grandpa looks over Michael said, Michael, let's get in the truck, go down into town. We've got some errands to run. And then we'll go by the We'll go by the store, the hardware store, take a look at some guns. And Michael goes, oh, that's that's great. Grandpa, I want to go. Brittany spoke up. She said, no, Grandpa. Michael doesn't want to go there. He wants to stay and help Grandma clean up. And I want to go to the store with you. Michael's like, no, I didn't. And she looks over here and she mouths the words, remember that duck. (laughs) Michael's like, oh, yeah, I want to stay and help Grandma clean up. And he watches as Brittany rides off with Grandpa. He cleans about dust, about two pieces of furniture and he throws the rag down. He's done. He runs in and he, he hugs grandma and he begins to cry. He said, grandma, I'm so sorry. I said, I was down there. I was shooting the sleeve shot. I didn't think I could be never hit the duck. I saw your duck. I took a lot of The the duck died <laughs> and grandma looked at him and said, I know baby, know all about the duck. He's like, did Brittany tell? She said, no, sweetheart. She said, I was standing at the kitchen window and I watched you shoot the duck. She said, baby, I forgave you in my heart the moment I saw that. I was just waiting to see how long you were going to let Brittany keep you as her slave. (laughs) You know, that that story has a humorous aspect, but it also has a true aspect. How long will we let our past keep us as a slave? How long will we let the past mistakes and the mess-ups create a barrier between us and God? But I got, man, I got good news for you. Easter's last word said that if Jesus loved you enough, to go to the cross. And if God loved you enough to raise him from the dead, then your past is not the issue. And it's not the last word. Forgiveness is the last word. Mercy is the last word. Cleansing is the last word. And you can join your voice with that of the apostle Paul when he wrote the Romans and said, he was handed over to die because of our sins. And he was raised to life to make us right with God. Your past is no longer the last word. But not only does Easter have a last word on the past, but Easter has a last word for our present. You know, sometimes it, we need strength to handle today. Life, life can be hard, and life can, it, it can bring stuff, and, and sometimes it doesn't seem like it just brings it one at a time, it seems like it brings it and just piles it on. And sometimes when you've been piled on by life, you're thinking, man, I'm going to do just like what the disciples did. I'm just going to close the doors and lock myself away. And oftentimes, because we don't feel like we have the strength to make it, we're hiding from the relationship problems or the family situations or the financial difficulties or the physical setbacks. And we just don't feel like we have the strength to do it. But Because Easter has the last word, there's a a new strength and it's available for you. In 2012... 37,000 people ran the London Marathon. The winner was a Kenyan who ran it in two hours and four minutes. One of the runners was named Simone Clark. She's 39 years old. She ran the marathon in six and a half hours, which is not a really speed blazing time. But when you consider her situation, it's a pretty amazing story. You see, Simone Clark suffers from epilepsy. She has four seizures a day, average. And when she started running, she did great for the first seven miles. And then the eighth mile, she had a seizure. And this was a seizure that caused her to fall to the ground. She blacked out for about 30 seconds. And then when she woke up, she was a little disoriented, but she got up, brushed herself off and kept running. Over the last 18 miles, Simone Clark had 19 seizures. And you're, th- you're thinking, you say, how in the world did this woman ever finish a marathon? Why, why didn't she give up after the first seizure? I mean, It would have been easy just to say, hey, too many seizures, I I can't do this. Well, Simone Clark had a secret weapon. It wasn't, she was just so amazingly strong. Simone Clark had a friend running with her and her friend was named Tally Hall. Tally understood Simone's epileptic seizures. And so every time she would recognize Simone was about to have a seizure, Tally would catch her, gently lower her to the ground, would stand over her and protect her from the other runners so she wouldn't get hit. And then, when she came to, she would help her get up and help her get on her feet and run again. Simone Clark did not run in her own strength. Simone Clark also borrowed the strength of Tally Hall to be able to finish that race. And because of Tally Hall, Simone Clark did not have to quit, and seizures didn't have the last word. You're thinking, man, I wish I had a friend like that. I wish I had somebody that could that could do that and, and, and walk with me through life. Let me tell you something. In your race of life, you are not running alone. And Jesus has given you a promise, it's an awesome promise. He says in Hebrews the 13th chapter, he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, so we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? That's a promise that if, if you've accepted a Jesus, or a, a risen Savior, as your Lord and Savior, that promise applies to you. But you're not having to run life on your own. You're not in your own strength. You have someone to help you. And fear and problems and pressure don't have to have the last word in your life. His strength and his grace and his peace can have the last word in your life. And you can join your voice with that of the Apostle Paul when he said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So we have... We have forgiveness for our past. We have help for the present. But maybe most importantly, we have a hope for the future. One thing I've discovered about life is, boy, it keeps coming. And I think the older you get, the faster it comes. I was standing out in the, in the lobby, uh, actually on, on the plaza last year, and a lady walked up. She's been a church member for a long number of years. We've been here for 23 and she came up. And she introduced me to her pretty little niece, and we're just sitting there talking. She said, "Oh, by the way, my sister was in here last week, and my sister was talking about you, and she said that no wonder you like coming here. Not only can he speak good, he looks like a movie star." <laughs> well, I, I'd just be quite honest with you guys. That's kind of embarrassing to have someone say that to you. Looks like a movie star, and you're. I was just like. So I said, "Well, I didn't know what to say." So I said, "Well." My mom says, when I go to see her in the nursing home, I rock out that nursing home. All her friends come around. They just like, they just love me. And this lady looked at me, she smiled. She said, well, my sister is 80. <laughs> bump, bump, bump. Another ego bites the dust right there. That one, that one just died. But oh, it gets, it gets better. So I'm telling this story to a, to a friend of mine we're laughing about. We're in, in the gym working out and I talked about going back to visit my mom and, and, and rocking the nursing home. <laughs> and, uh, and this lady piped up. She was just, I don't even know who she was. She just piped up from one of the weight machines. She said, well, you know, if you bring a dog into a nursing home, they get excited. <laughs> Thank you. Did you just decide to bless my day and remind me? It's a reminder that life keeps on going. And you know, as as much as we want to try, whether you've got a great past or a wonderful future, life's going to keep coming. In fact, Silicon Valley right now, some of the best and brightest minds in America are doing everything they can to try to reverse the aging process. Because everyone wants to... There's something on the inside that says, I don't want to die. And yet we realize that death is inevitable. It's coming. And yet we... Death seems so final, but thank God, because of Easter, because God raised Jesus from the dead, that not only do you have hope for the past and hope for today, you've got hope for tomorrow, a hope beyond this life. Boy, that makes all the difference in the world. In Romans, the 10th chapter, Paul wrote this. He said, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. But well, the question is always asked, saved from what? Well, you're saved from wondering whether it's going to be heaven or hell after you die. You're saved from the uncertainty of, of wondering whether or not you've been good enough to get yourself in. You've been saved from the scariness that what's on the other side is. You're saved from that. And you're saved to the hope of heaven, the hope of spending eternity with Christ, which the Bible says is far better. And regarding the future, death doesn't have the last word. Life and hope has the last word. Last month I buried my father. I went to see him in Greensboro, North Carolina, where I grew up. And when I flew into town, he'd been in bad, bad health. I flew in, I got into his room about six o'clock. When I left his room that, that day, I, uh, I just took, he, he was unconscious, he never even registered the fact that I was there. But I remember walking to the door, I was gonna take my mom back to her room. And I walked to the door and I turned around and I walked back and I said, Dad, I love you, I'll see you soon. I was thinking soon would be the next day. When I got back to the motel room, I got a call at 10.30 that night. and My mom called me, she said, Alan, your father went home today. He said, he must have waited for you to come. I remember doing his funeral, and at his funeral, we talked, about, we talked about my father, and I talked about some of the attributes that I loved about my dad. I talked about the fact that my dad was an eternal optimist. He always saw the bright side of everything. That my father was a fighter, that even though he'd been just forced to live in a wheelchair for the past 12 years of his life, man, he, he just fought through. He, he made that wheelchair work and the fact that my dad was a good man, a moral man. I never heard him cuss once, and he was faithful to my mom for over 62 years. I talked about those things and we laughed, and I did pretty good until I hit the last thing that I talked about. The thing I appreciated most about my father. And when I told this group of people there, and there were a lot of people there, a lot of people knew my dad. I told this people, group assembled, I got choked up when I said, the thing I appreciate most about my father is that he didn't send me, he took me to church. One of the very first pictures we have of me as a child is me dressed for Easter. I'm less than two years old and our family's going to church. He took me to church and he introduced me to his savior, Jesus Christ. And because his savior would one day become my savior, I have hope that I'll see my dad again. I have a hope that we don't just have a a past together, we have a future together. And when we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise It's as we first begun. Jesus gives us the hope of a life beyond this life. It's a life for eternity. That's such a hope. That's such a blessing. And you talk about what a wonderful last word. You know, the best thing we can do for you as a church is, I hope you've enjoyed the service. There was some beautiful music today. I like the lights and the video. I hope you laughed and were, enjoyed the message. But the greatest thing we can do for you as a church is to introduce you to the one who can forgive your past and strengthen you for today and give you hope beyond this life, a hope for the future. Would you bow your head for a moment? I'm going to ask no one leave. We'll be out of here in just a moment. But if you came today and said, Alan, I don't have A relationship with Jesus Christ or I'm just not sure and I want to be or maybe you're here and you say I I used to have a relationship with the Lord but I've gotten so far away from him and I want to come home today we're gonna say a prayer we're not gonna ask you to stand up or come to the front but if you want to get in on our prayers I want to ask you just simply to do one thing again we're not gonna ask you to walk an hour not trying to embarrass you but I'm asking to do this if you say Alan I'm not sure but I want to be Alan, I want to come back to the Lord. I did, and you want in on our prayers. I just need you to shoot your hand up right now across this auditorium say, Alan, would you pray for me? Just go ahead. You can lift your hand and we'll pray. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Way in the back. Yes, thanks. Thank you, thank you. On this side and the front. Yes, sir. Thank you. Anybody else? Say, Alan, would you, would you just take your hand and wave it at me? Say, Alan, would you pray for me? Thank you. It takes courage to do that and a lot of humility, but that's one of the best decisions you'll ever make. Anybody else? Yeah, way in the back. I got you. Anybody else? Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you for your courage. Thank you for your decision. You can bow your heads and we're going to pray. Now, maybe you were really debating about whether to lift your hand and you thought, I really wanted to do that, but I guess I missed my opportunity. No, you didn't miss your opportunity because we're going to pray this. And we're going to pray and you can join us in this prayer. We're going to pray it together. We're going to pray it out loud. This is a heart prayer and God sees your heart. And so this is something we can pray together. You pray and I'll lead you in it. Pray it as we all say together, dear God, I know mankind needs a savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. Now, his heads are bowed and eyes are still closed. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you for those that came today, every family, every individual. You love them. You know where they are. You have such wonderful plans for their life. For those who have just stepped out of darkness into and, delight. and for those who've come back home, Father, we rejoice. For those of us, Father, who are going into the journey of life, thank you we're not running alone. Thank you we're running as forgiven ones. And thank you we have a hope that extends past this life. Thank you that Jesus is the last word. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.